Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so this, for those of you that have been to my house, I want you to picture this. For those that have never been to my house, you're really not missing out, but there, we have a home office. Okay, so um, in, in my home office, uh, I was talking to my grandma, it was like um, the week before Christmas, and I'm sitting there on the phone, and I have one of those chairs that goes way back, because I got a sissy back, and if I lean back, it takes the pressure off. So I'm leaning back in the chair, and I'm talking, and um, grandma was telling a story, and she's not here, so I can say that I wasn't really listening. You know, she was talking, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, and I looked over, and she was still talking, and I looked on my wall, and I have this picture, and the bottom of the picture, it's like, a, it's like a $5 Rand McNally map, but it's framed in this super nice matted thing, so it looks like a $500 picture, but it's really $5. But the, the matting was all crumpled in the corner and kind of like warped, and so Grandma's talking, wah, 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 and I'm looking in the corner of the picture, I'm like, oh, man, I loved that. And there was the matting. It was the matting that was messed up, so you got to get that all redone. And then I look at it, and I lean back even more on this super chair, and I see that the wall is 90 degrees, but the picture frame is out like this, like probably like 30 degrees or so. I'm like, that's not good. But you can't see it, because every time you walk in the office, you see it front on. You can only see if you see it from the side. So Grandma's still talking, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I take the, the, the picture off, and I look at the wall, and it's just wall and then a bubble, like a big old like water bubble. Grandma, I'm going to have to call you back. And I put my hands on the wall, and it's just soaked with water, like just sat, like your fingers go, like in, like, and week before Christmas. So I call, um, I call the plumber, he comes, he pops a hole in it, and he says, put your hand right there. And I'm looking at the pipes, like, and I thought, I thought my pipes in my walls, <laughs> I thought I had big pipes. It was a little thin sissy pipe. And I put my hand right there, and I can feel this little stream of water. And so he says, that's why your wall soaks. And I call my other friend, and he's a, um, if you have floods, he comes in. So he's putting all his stuff in. So we're trying to see how far the water went, right? So he put, obviously it's in the wall. So then he comes behind the desk. Okay, so like, this is, you know, the wall. And he keeps going because he's wondering when he's going to find it where it's dry. <laughs> then he's going outside into the, into, the, into the living room, then into the kitchen. It's just all over. So basically we had a leak and we had to rip everything up. And everyone's like, oh, poor you. But you know what? It was one of those moments that was like, yeah. Because we had had all these ideas of things that needed to be done in our house. We've lived in the house since my middle child, right before my middle child was born, and he's about to turn 11. So we've been in this house for 12 years. All we did is we did the landscaping in the back, and we painted the house. Oh, and we put the wood floors down that got ruined. Um, other than that, it's just the way it was. And the reason we moved in this house was for a bunch of reasons, but one of them was is, is we're just hosts. We're ministers. Like, that's what we feel called to do. It's what we love to do. So there's always people at our house. 
And um, it's just not set up for that. So we had all these ideas that are 11 years in the making of like, this needs to be renovated. This needs to be rebuilt. We want to do this and that. And some of it you look at and you just know it needs to be changed. And some of it um, you can't tell. It's like, that works, but it doesn't work for what we want to do. We know this is a tool that, that God has entrusted us with because it's not our house. You guys know that, right? Your house, your car, like, it doesn't belong to you. So this house is not ours. And so we just felt like, well, we feel like this is what God wants to do through our life as a family. And so we need this house, which is just a tool to accomplish that, to look like this and have this so that we can do this with people here. And, and then, of course, you've got your family and things like upstairs, uh, the carpet, um, shag carpet seemed like such a good idea when we first got it. And then I found out that my kids are allergic to dust. Well, our kids are related to us, which means one of us is related to dust. So we're always walking around like, you know, doing this thing all the time. Probably not really good for us. And so we, that was one of the things in our head, like we need to change that. You know, our kids need to be healthy. That, that's probably something we should take care of. Um, there's all these things we wanted to do, all these things that we wanted to do. And then there's some things that we knew we needed to do. Like in the bathrooms, the showers, like I was pretty sure that the behind the nice, neat tile, that it was soaked. I was pretty sure. But you can't tell. It looks fantastic. But I'm like, we'll just keep going with this. As long as it looks good, as long as we don't know of anything, we'll just keep moving as we've been moving. But this opportunity has given us the chance to, to put it the way it should be, the way it should be for our family. And I'm obviously not here to talk to you this morning about houses because this is in three days. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday has traditionally been a time where during, it, it's the beginning of Lent. And Lent is a man-made tradition. It's not in the scriptures. It's, there's no call to do Lent. But Lent is a time for us, traditionally, what people do is prepare. They prepare their heart. They prepare their life for this season, because at the end is Easter, and everything changes because of Easter. And what I mean by that is, is that when we realize the reality that Jesus rose from the dead, and he made all things new, then everything changes. We have the opportunity for this new life, and so we celebrate it every year, because if we're going to celebrate our birthdays, we might as well be sharing the most significant event in the history of mankind. That Jesus overcame death, to let us know that death has no sting. And that he came to give us life, real life. And so for Lent, it's this time where it used to be people would um, either add something to their life or subtract something. And of course, it's devolved over time where people are like, you know what? I watch too much Breaking Bad. I'm giving up Breaking Bad for Lent. You know, people give that up. Some people, you know what? Man, I love chocolate. I got to get me some chocolate. So I'm giving up chocolate for Lent, because I know I probably shouldn't eat that much chocolate, so I'm going to give that up. Or beer. Oh, I love me my beer. Oh, the Newcastle. I'm giving it up just for Lent. Or you know what? I'm fat. I just eat too much. I have donuts. I, I want church seven days a week just so I can keep eating donuts. So for Lent, I'm giving up donuts or coffee. I'm going to go without coffee. And then, of course, we all know what happens, right? So the goal is to give it up just for those 40 days, and then at the 40 days, yeah you know, whatever it is you gave up. Um, but what happens is you say you're going to give up coffee. That's on Wednesday. Thursday, you're just 
ripping through with whatever your thing is that you gave up, and then it's Friday. Forget it. I had to have that coffee. So you just give up. Like, whatever, I tried, it didn't work, I'm done. But that's not what it's for. That's not what this came about for. So this is what we as a church are going to ask and invite and push and cajole and twist your arm to do with us. To take your life and to use this as an opportunity to renovate. Use this as an opportunity to make those changes that need to be made. Except we're asking you to do this. Don't do anything during Lent. Think of Easter, okay? Wait for Easter. For example, we've spent 11 years thinking of what needs to happen in our house. Like, we've been wrestling with it. And then the day came, right? For us, it was a disaster. But for us, it was like a gift. And so what we're asking you to do, like, that day that I reached back and saw it on the wall, that was like my Ash Wednesday, on your Ash Wednesday, don't do anything. Just begin the process, like thinking through what's gonna, what are we going to do? What, what should be done here? Because I told you about the carpet and this and that. Well, we can't do all the stuff that we had in our mind. There's just not enough to do. There's not enough money. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy. So what we're doing is just trying to fix the floors. And while we're at it, we're trying to redo, uh, well, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but there's a few things that we're trying to do. We're starting there. We have enough money. We have enough energy. We have enough time. Let's start there. So during this time, as you're wrestling with it, and we're going to be going through all different kinds of topics and subjects. We're going to talk, um, talk about your relationships. We're going to talk about your body, uh, which actually isn't your body. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. He gave it to you. He's entrusted you with it. We're going to talk about your money. We're going to talk about your heart and your mind. And so as we go through these areas, don't do anything. Think of it like you just moved into the house and you've just got to spend the next 46 days to wrestle through this. You've got to think about it. You've got to pray about it. You've got to seek the Lord because above all, it's His, right? Um, also, Lent is 46 days. Let's just be honest here. Every single person rose their hand in the first service. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you thought Lent was 40 days? Exactly. Everybody thinks it's 40 days. Um, but it wasn't. It's 46 because let's say you were giving up, um, giving up shrimp. Maybe you're just addicted to shrimp. Gots to have your shrimp. And you just feel like, I need to make this change. I eat too much shrimp. So if you eat all this shrimp, so from Monday through Saturday, you don't have the shrimp. But they built in your, your day where you could just eat as much shrimp as you want on Sunday. So it's 40 days but then you have those six days they give you just to eat as much shrimp as you want. So there's 46 days. So we're going to go through this renovation for 46 days. But again, we're not talking about your house, are we? Um, this is going to be the key verse for us here in 1 Corinthians 3. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 3. And this is, um, it's easy to remember because it's 1 Corinthians 3.16. So if you can remember John 3.16, now think just 1 Corinthians 3.16. This is what Paul was trying to remind this little church in Corinth. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, we can get all caught up in things like our house or our cars or our 401ks 
or even our education or our kids or our sports or our kids' sports or whatever it is that occupies your time. Maybe it's fashion. Maybe it's, maybe you're into watches. Maybe that's your, whatever it is. But we're talking about something way deeper than that. We're talking about renovating and rebuilding you. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. And that word heart, that word heart means in Hebrew, all of you. It means your life, your will, your choices, your decisions, everything. So when Jesus says to love God with all of that, he means all of that. And why? Because Paul, who's talking to this church in Corinth, he's like, don't you guys know? Now, he doesn't usually write that way. If you look at the other letters that he writes in the New Testament, he doesn't say it that way. Don't you know? It's kind of like, you know this already, don't you? Like, this is obvious, isn't it? Now, Corinth, you need to know this about um, Corinth. It's pretty much the Las Vegas of Paul's time. Now, if you're from Las Vegas, I'm sorry. I haven't grown up there. I don't really know, but you have a reputation. So if there's anyone here from Vegas, you've got a reputation. Well, Corinth has a reputation. They are the Las Vegas of that world, of Mesopotamia. That's Vegas. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. The thing is, is Paul has, has in his travels, he's been through there, and these, these people have found Christ. And so a church has started up there, and they've begun to follow Christ. But the problem is, is they, they're in this, this Vegas world, and so they're just so intertwined with it now that they've kind of lost their way. And so he's trying to talk to them, like, don't you know who you are? And in this passage, we need to take it in context here, there's something that's happening here where the church is fighting amongst each other. And he's just trying to explain them. Don't you know who you really are? Don't you know who you are and what you're about? Now, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 3, but I want us to look at some other passages so that you understand how pervasive this is, that you are the house of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about my house and renovating and rebuilding it. That's not that big of a deal. That's just a tool. That's just a tool for my heart, soul, mind, and strength for me to give that up to the Lord and for him to use everything because I belong to him. I'm his house. It's as if he owns me and he looks into my life and I offer up to him and I'm saying, hey, I mean, I've been around here for 44 years. Is there anything else you want me to work on or is there something that I worked on that I gave up? Is there something that needs to change? Do you want to do any renovation or any rebuilding in this life that belongs to you and I'm just staying here? Does that make sense? Like, who cares about our houses in comparison to this? Paul is saying, don't you know that you are the temple? That word temple, you know, we always talk about the temple and all the grounds. It means like the holy of holies. That word literally means the place where God abides. So we're not talking about this in some kind of esoteric, spiritual sense. No, the spirit of God. You were shaped in a way that God created you so that he could live inside of you. Freaky, isn't it? Think about that. When we, to put this in perspective, when we bought the house that we're in right now, we didn't want to move. But we knew there was someone that was going through, it was a family member that was going through something really heavy, really heavy, and we had a little two-bedroom house. We had one son and another one on the way. And we're like, 
this teenager cannot live in this little house. We have got to move. So we moved into this house because it needed to have space for her. You were created with that in mind that God would dwell inside of you. And so what we're, our intention is for the next period of time is to, to ask God, like, okay, what needs to be done then? This is, your, this is you. Not just this body, not just these fingers, but this life. Everything you've taken me through, it's all yours. So what do you want to do? Here's some other verses I want to show you where God is trying to get this across. So if we go to the next verse, uh, John 14, 23. Jesus said, if anyone, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and then my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Now, when it says my Father will love them, God has always loved you. It's not like, oh, if you do what I say, then I'm going to love you. That's not what that means. He's trying to say, look, my Father will love them, being able to and being set free to love them. Think about that. God, where are you? I just don't feel, what, are you there? He's saying, look, if you just trust me, then I will be set free to love you. My Father in heaven will be able to love you, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Not next to them, in them, in you, in us. It's going to get good. I'm starting getting excited, so I might start freaking out because I'm just pumped on this reality and this truth. Revelation 3, 320. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I mean, it's just plain language. We're going to eat. We're going to hang out together. Oh, John 15, 5. This is a verse that is um, the verse that gave us the name here at Branches. So we call ourselves Branches. Now, when people hear that, and so when we started the second service, people are like, oh, that's great. Stick it to your name, branches, you're branching out. No, that's not where it came from. It came from this verse right here. We said, what if we became a community of faith? What if we became a group of people that said, look, Lord, we don't want to grow a church. We don't want to be famous. We don't want to do anything else except what if we were to completely submit to you? And let you do whatever you wanted in us. And we don't know how to do that fully, but we're going to give it our best shot. What would happen if we completely relied on God? What could happen? What if we decided to move our lives and reorder our lives and our houses and our money and our time and our friendships and everything and, our, and just say, God, we're yours. And we did it as a group. What would happen? And it came from this where Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Now, when he says, I am the vine... That's a reference to a grapevine. So I'm using this metaphor of my house because everybody has a house. Everybody's heard of a leak. Everybody's heard of rebuilding and renovating or remodeling. Well, Jesus is using the metaphor that's right around him. He's in Jerusalem, and, and Jerusalem is amazing for, for growing grapes. So there's vines everywhere, and it's, it's understood. And we know that at his time, when they would go on their walks, there would be vineyards. And so he sees a vineyard and he just takes this thing that you see in nature and he tries to explain to them, this is how life is. I am like the main vine and you're like the branch that comes off. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's like common sense, right? Like 
we have this strawberry tree in front of our house. It sounded like a great idea when I first put it there. We have one there, one on the other side. And I was like, that's a cool tree. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty tree. Um, except it bears fruit, <laughs> a lot of fruit, um, because it's healthy. And the branches that stay in, they drop these fruit, but it's not the kind of cool strawberries you can eat, because if you know anything about strawberries, they actually grow in the ground. So this drops this like, kind of fruit that kind of looks like a strawberry, but it can't be eaten. But what it's really good for is all the kids in the neighborhood stepping on them and rubbing them into the sidewalk so that you have red splotches everywhere. And then when it really gets good, they start grabbing these things and they start chucking it at each other. And then they hit your windows and your house and your white garage. Not that I know anybody that has a white garage with red splotches all over it, but it bears so much fruit that it does that because that's what those branches were intended to do. I am the vine, we are the branches, and we were intended to bear fruit, good fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We know that. It's not like a, we know that in nature. When I walked out of my house and saw this curse of a strawberry tree, and I looked in and I saw one of the branches was all dead and the leaves were all crunkled, I, I didn't even have to look. But I looked anyways, but I knew what happened, right? We all know what happened. Somehow, one of the kids put their wetsuit on it, and then they jumped on it, and then it cracked, and then it got separated. The only thing connecting it to the vine was the bark. So it wasn't really abiding in the tree. It was off on its own, and because of that, it didn't bear any more fruit. Not only did it bear, not bear any more fruit, but it was dead. And you know what? I just noticed it, which means it was disconnected for a while, and it looked good because it still had some life in it, but it was dead. Because as soon as it's disconnected, it's dead. This truth that we are the house of God is all through Scripture. But what we want to talk about is do we see it every day in our life? Because sometimes we take the Bible and put it over here and then we live over here. But our intention for the next 46 days is to step down into this situation say, okay, God, this is your house. What do you want to do? And just like me, you've probably thought of things in your life that needed to change, and you just knew it. Nobody sat you down. You probably didn't even pray about it, but you just knew. You don't want to think about it, but you just know. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's anger. Maybe for you, you just know that for some reason you just go off the handle and you just it just drives you crazy that you keep doing that all the time. And you want to stop, but you just can't get to it. Maybe it's some kind of substance. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's food. Maybe your addiction is your job. Maybe you're just so into work. And you just know you're way too into work, but you just can't seem to get away from it. But you, you're just going so fast in life, you just don't have time to deal with it. You're like, well, it's just working, so there's no need to change anything. We'll just keep going. We, um, one of the things that had to happen was in our bathrooms. I mentioned that earlier. Our bathrooms looked fine. They had the tile. They were all in place still. But I was told by our neighbors when we moved in, hey, keep your, eyes on your, keep your eye on your showers because you know we live in track housing. I didn't know what that meant. If any of you live in track housing move. If you're thinking of moving into track housing, don't do it. Because the way they work is they try to put these houses up as quickly as they can. And so they race through the bathrooms and um, you're supposed to have 
I don't know, most of you don't know this, but you're supposed to have your tile, and then there's, there's different ways to do it, but you can have um, red board behind that, and then hardy backer, and they're supposed to be, um, the, seal, the, the seams are supposed to be separate, so no water can get in, and then you're supposed to do all these technical things to make sure that no water gets in. But all my neighbors said, they didn't put any of that in. It's tiles just up on this board, which means any little pinholes in between the tiles or any water that gets in means it's all in your walls. Wow, that's pretty awesome. The beauty is, is that I didn't get to see it, but I knew it, so I'm always thinking, well, we should really get to that. Yeah, we're 11 years into this house. So, just like the wall was bulging in the office, right before this happened with the office, in the bathroom, one of the tiles popped off. It's happened before, except this time I looked at the wall from the same angle that I looked at, and it was like the wall was pregnant about eight months. And so I'm like, that's not good. It looked good, but it needed to get changed. And maybe in your life, like, nobody else sees it, and maybe you don't even see the, but you know it's there. You know what's underneath the surface. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship you're in or a relationship you got out of. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your siblings. Maybe it's with work. Maybe it's with that neighbor. Maybe it's with a friend. But it's something that you know needs to be taken care of, and you've known it for a long time, but you just don't want to get around to it. It's just too much work. You don't have the energy for it, but you know you need to do it because, well, if I had taken care of that bathroom sooner because we popped it all up and got to look inside. It was the most amazing colony of ants you've ever seen in your life because the insulation was so soaked, my brother-in-law would go like this and it was just like pouring out. Like you take a towel and you throw it into the pool, you know, and you're like, oh, and then you got to like wring it out. Imagine one of those really fluffy ones because that's what insulation is and you could just pour all the water out and the ants were just like, Thanks so much for giving us this home. This is fantastic. And they, not only did they appreciate that, but they just took it all the way around to the wall next to it. And they just took over. And I had to get my friend out, and he's like, okay, you got some mold here and here. And Luckily, it wasn't black mold, but it's, like, that's what happens when you don't take care of something. And you may have relationships like that. You, it may be your finances, which, by the way, if you don't know this, it's not your money. Just like it's not your house, it's not your money. It's his money, and he's given it to you to be a steward of it, to, to put for his purposes. And you may just go, well, I know this needs to change. And some of you, it's debt. And for some of you, you just know you got a ton of it, and it just sits there. I know some of you are like, who's that? Who in the world is in that situation? Because the reality is the person that has a lot, it just keeps getting bigger, and they think they need more, and they need more, and they need more. But you know what? This isn't yours. The one that owns it, we need to go to him and go, what do you want us to do with this money? And, we're not, and when we talk about your body, most people are like, oh, I really want to work on my six-pack, which is hilarious. I could go on and on about that. But I get it. I get it. I hate it when I bend over in the mirror. I'm like, what the, where did that come from? Or, you know, like lately, you know, with the, the things that are going on, and I'm like, Wait, I used to have like biceps here and triceps. What, what, why am I shriveling to be a small little man like my grandpa. He was such a tiny man. But that's not the kind of body thing we're talking about. These bodies are tools that God has given us, and it's our responsibility to take care of them so they can work as long as possible to fulfill his purposes. 
That's why we need to take care of this. And you might know, look, I just don't care. I grew up in this kind of environment and I eat this and I drink this and I do this to his body. But you don't want to think of it as his body because then you feel bad about it. Could be your mind. Could be things that are going in your mind. It could be your marriage. Like this is the year that you're like, I need to, I know I need to deal with this, but man. So you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. So during Lent, that's what we're going to do for the next 46 days, which starts on Wednesday. We're going to ask everyone, part of branches, to go through this. But this is what we want you to do. We want you to do what we did for 11 years, but you're doing it for 46 days. Lord, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do in this life, in this heart? You can't do it all. We're going to hit all kinds of different topics, but you can't hit them all. I can't renovate my entire house. I just don't have those resources. And the reality is, in the flow of life, your goal here is to plug away, not to redo your whole life. Christ will do that. But what part are you supposed to step in? What's your role? So that's what we're going to look at. Um, I want us to look a little bit deeper at 1 Corinthians 3, because we went right to verse 16, but I want to start in verse 10. So if you could back up to verse 10, and let me give you background of what's happening here. So Paul's writing to this little church in Corinth. Actually, I don't know how big it was. It was probably one of the bigger churches, but um, our two services would dwarf this church probably in Corinth. And so they have this church in Corinth, and they're starting to fight. They're fighting because there's a leader that lives there who's a believer, and he's kind of like a pastor to so many of them. His name's Apollo. And then some of them know Peter, and they interact with him, and so they're saying they follow Peter. And then some are saying, well, I follow Paul. So they're all arguing. And Paul's, like, writing back to them saying, don't you know that it doesn't matter, that you didn't, you didn't, you weren't born again by Apollos. You weren't born again by me. You weren't born again by Peter. It's by Jesus Christ. And so he's trying to tell them about the, the effort that Apollos and Paul and Peter, he said, we, we are building into your life. We're co-workers. It's almost as if they are contractors, right? I have a really good friend, great guy, goes this, um, his family's part of this church, and he's doing all the work in our kitchen, right? It's as if the owner, me, has called him in the same way that God has called Apollos, or he's called Paul, or he's called Peter, hey, I want you to do work in this area in my house. These people, these are where I dwell, and I want you to do this work in their lives. I want you to share this with and be involved in the building process. I'm the owner, and I want you to do this in my place with my people because they're my houses of worship. This is where I dwell. And so Paul is just trying to give them perspective here. So let's start here in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, Paul, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation upon which you put it is so important because whatever is built upon, if the foundation is uneven, then the building upon it is going to be uneven. If the foundation is weak or if the foundation, like the foundation behind my tiles, is just bored and isn't meant to withstand that kind of water, then it's going to fall apart. Look what he goes on to say here. 
Verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Our lives, what are they built on? Like, what is it that's at the very core of who you are? When it comes down to it, we had a few people in this church over the past few weeks that came very close to death. And at that moment, things became very real. You start to realize what your foundation is. You start to realize all the things that aren't important. You know what I realized? There's so much you can do without. There's so much fluff built into our lives. And so this is bringing it back to what's the core. What are you going to build everything upon? And it's connected. You, you build everything connected. And if it doesn't fit that original foundation, you don't build it. And we're in the stages right now of, of the, the kitchen counters have been all pulled off. And we saw the foundation they built with. And I was like, are you for real? It looks like scrap wood. So what happens is they, it, I see Justin laughing because he knows how this works. So what it is, whatever wood's left around, it's all part of the plan. They know, oh, we're going to have this piece that we cut from over there. And we're just going to shove it. And that's what they made our counters with. There's no plywood. It's random scraps of wood. And I'm like, oh, that's why our tiles in our kitchen went like this. Because there's knots and weirdness. and they, they're not, It's amazing. It's amazing to me that, that you can get away with this stuff. So if you're builders, I need to talk to you right after this service. Why do you do this? But in our lives, are you building on something that is just poor quality? It's just not worth it. I mean, if, if you were to build your home with your bare hands from scratch, you know what's underneath the surface. You want to put time and effort into it. And that's why he brings up these six different um, substances, gold, silver, costly stones. I want to build with that because that's going to last. Wood, hay, or straw, it's not going to last. And the work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. That day if you see in your Bibles, it's capitalized because it's referring to the day, the judgment day. Now, when you hear judgment day, people think God coming down, oh, fire shooting out of his hands and out of his eyes, and people going, no, I will be a better person. That's not judgment day. That's not judgment. We think of that like going to court and it's, it's on, and I'm either in trouble or I'm not. But let's keep reading and understand what this is. The day is the, well, we'll come back to this. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, he's using fire as an example because they don't have indoor plumbing, okay? But if we use the indoor plumbing analogy, you can tell the quality of our bathrooms by the foundation they were built upon. And that day arrived when it started bulging out the side. Okay, the quality of your pipes, right? Like they've stopped doing copper because they just dissolve because our hard water messes it up because it can't withstand it. It's not strong enough. It's like wood, hay, or straw. And in the same way, there's so much in our life. You need to, you need to place your life before God who gave it to you and say, look, what needs to change? What is not of the highest quality? Because the day arrives. It happens all the time, but there will be an ultimate day. And that day is going to look like this, verse 14. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Okay, now think about that. Listen closely here, verse 15. 
if it's burned up, the person that built on the poor foundation, this builder, this person, is going to suffer loss, but will still be saved. We're not talking about salvation here. Do you understand that? We're not saying, hey, get your house in order so that you can get to heaven. When you make a decision to accept the gift of Jesus Christ, you're saved. End of story. It's a gift that's been given to you. And when you understand that and you fully understand that, nobody has to tell you to change your life. You realize, wait, this is not the way life was supposed to be. God intended so much more. And I trust him, not just with my salvation, but with everything. And so I want to give this life back to him. And let's do this the right way. What's it supposed to look like then? Who do I go to? Who do you go to? The master builder, the one that created it all. And so you go to him. So this person that is built on this poor foundation is going to suffer loss and will not get the reward, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames, which is a a Hebrew idiom like, by the skin of your teeth. So they would say like, um, like, you just got out of, you just got out of the flames. Why do we want to wait for that? Let's just get started now, right? Like, I just think back, why didn't I do this a lot sooner? Because I could have. And I'm just talking about my house. And I was like, all those opportunities that we missed that we could have done for this person, this why didn't we do that? Why did we let our bathrooms go for so long? It's embarrassing. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at, at we, we had a roommate that lived with us, and she's here in the service right now, and I'm like, I made her use that shower all the time. What a horrible person I am. But in a better sense, why waste time? Right? Why don't we just take our life right now for the next 46 days and okay, Lord, here it is. I'm giving it right back to you. It's all yours. Where do you want me to start? I'm not going to waste another minute because I know that you came so that I have life and have it to the full and that you want to dwell inside of me. So let's get it on. I'm, everything, everything's on the table. Let's get to this. And then verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Now, when you look at that, if you could go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16, I want you to, um, to get this, uh, to verse 16. Is there anyone here from the South? It's actually a good thing if you are, because you can maybe code. No one. Well, Tyler, you sing like you're from the South, so we'll give it to you. None of you are from the South, really? Okay, you got to start finding some Southern friends, because we are incomplete without some Southern friends. They would understand this because English is, there's, to have the word you, like if I say you, I'm talking to all of you, right? But if I say you and I'm looking at Steve, then I'm talking individually. And so we just use you for an individual or for a group. But in pretty much every language but our dumb language, they take you and there's a different word for it like y'all. So if you're from the South, nobody says you, they say y'all. Again, we find this over and over in Scripture. When Paul is writing this, he says, do you not know that y'all are a temple of God? That word is y'all. And that the Spirit of God dwells in y'all. Now, the other verses I showed you, John 15, 5, um, the Revelation 3 passage and the John 14 passage, those are speaking to an individual. So this is both an individual truth that God dwells in us individually, but he also dwells in us. So as we move forward here for these next 46 days, you are not intended to do this alone. 
We were not intended to live life alone, and for the next 46 days as we wrestle with this, you were not intended to go through this process alone. We need to do it together. Um, the person that owned our house before us really should have, have planned this out with other people because the person that bought the house was able to choose what their tile looked like. And I think they chose it on their own. However, if they would have hired an interior decorator, they would have said, hey, by the way, if your tiles are white and you have a strip of green tiles and then white and then a strip of red tiles, it's pretty much going to look like Christmas 365 days a year. I don't know if you really want to do that. But they didn't. They didn't consult anybody else. They just went on their own. And so in this process, we've spent 11 years as a family wrestling and talking about someday, someday, someday. Well, that day arrived. The day of decision, of analysis arrived, and we realized, okay, we can't put this off any longer. We've got to get to this. And so we brought in the big guns, brought in a couple friends uh, from the church, their interior designers, and brought them over for dinner and said, okay, what would you do? We're thinking about doing this. Oh, you think about doing that? Well, if you do this, just so you know, this is going to happen. Oh, I didn't even think about that. What about this? Oh, I don't know. My brother-in-law with the tiles. I was like, just rip up the whole shower, pull it out, put a new one in. He's like, we could do that. But this tub is like really expensive. It's like porcelain. They don't even use these things anymore. It's all plastic. Just leave that there and we can do this. I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. It never crossed my mind. We've got to do this stuff in community. Do you not know that y'all are the house of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in us. And so our plan is that you go through this as a group, that you join any kind of group. Now, we have the list of groups back there, and I know as I'm looking out at you, it's like Kim, when she says, hey, join with me in singing, and you're like, okay, I'm going to sing. It ain't happening, but I'm nodding at you like it's going to happen, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. And some of you are like, look, I'm just here and I, I'm sure these people are really nice, but the idea of me jumping into a group with other people I don't really know well is just not my bag. I'm not going to do that. You don't have to jump into one of our groups, but they're there. That's an opportunity for you, but it's not an excuse for you to go, I'm not doing this then. Because some of you might have friends here and there's no group even existing, and you can go to them and say, let's just start a group. Because you know what? Let's look at this together. Because, let's face it, we're in this together. We can try to pretend like we're in it on our own, our own individual seats, but we're in this together, so let's do this together. And then some of you are looking around going, I don't know any of these people. Then ask somebody from outside and go through it with them. They don't have to come to branches. They don't even have to come here on a Sunday. But this idea of us handing our life back to God and saying, do with it what you will, is meant to be done in community because it'll be done right instead of your life looking like Christmas 365 days a year, which actually in this case is a bad thing. This is meant to be done in community. So that's our plan. Here's some of the things we're going to be hitting coming up. Um, these are all going to be, um, it's one statement. Is your blank holy? And then we'll fill in the blank. So one of the ones we're going to hit is your body holy. Um, and it's not what you think it is. It's your body, all right, but it's deeper than you've ever thought. It's your adrenaline. It's your dopamine, it's your, um, it's your nu nutrition, it's your sleep, it's all of that. Like, is your body holy? It, holy meaning, is it set aside for God? Are you taking care of this? Um, is your money holy? Uh, is your family holy? Is your heart holy? Are, are your relationships holy? 
And you've got to wrestle with all this, but don't do any work yet. You're in the planning stage, right? From now until Easter, you're in the planning stage. And then on Easter, together as a group, we'll begin. You don't have to come up with a card and go, this is what I'm working on. We're not going to do it that way. But I want you to have other people that know what you're doing, that were able to speak into your life, and that you were able to speak into theirs. So this starts on Wednesday, and then we begin next Sunday. So if you could, if you could join me by standing. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Uh, We're going to take the offering. Um, If you have anything to be prayed about, um, maybe it's support for prayer and the decision over the next 46 days. Um, Maybe it's for a friend. Please put that on the connection card so we can pray. Um, Maybe you're not connected. Maybe you're like, all right, I need to jump into a group or I need to be involved or can I start a group or can I meet with some people? Um, Put that on the card. Don't go, oh, I don't know. We'll help you with it. We will help you in that process. So we'll call you. We'll email you. If you want to hey, don't call me. I don't want to talk. Just email me. Then circle email. Just put your email. Text me. I don't do anything but text. I don't even know any other ways of communicating. Steve's just laughing. Steve's like, I don't even know how. What's this texting business? Crazy young people. Um, So whatever it is, but have that on there so that you can be connected. That's why we call it the Connect Card. So I'm going to pray for our offering and um, that we would use that for his purposes. Father, this is your offering. This is all you. And so, um, of course, we're going to offer you the finances that you've entrusted us with. Some are going to have it here today. Some send it in. Some are putting it in other areas that you've directed them. But for all of us, Lord, direct our hearts and our minds and your money where you want it to go um, for your purposes. Um, we ask for your peace in that. Finances are just stressful and confusing. So we ask for peace and release and freedom. And Lord, not just in finances, but in relationships and in these physical bodies and in time and friendships. We look to you, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and all of our mind. We want to love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.